Today, I'm giving you permission to go after the life you want in every single way. My guest has taken herself on the most spectacular journey of figuring out how to get paid to be her, and she has now become a media mogul in so many senses of the word. Not only that, she is super generous with her time, her values, and she has cracked the productivity and morning routine code like nobody else. So I can't wait to introduce you to my special guest. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. Amy Landino is one of my favorite people on this earth. I have been a long-time consumer of Amy TV, and before that, her beautiful, savvy, sexy social YouTube channel, where she would just turn up every single week, three times a week with fantastic value bombs, all about how to use social media and business, how to get more visibility, how to put yourself out there. She has gone on to just become an absolute rock star. Her YouTube channel has grown by hundreds of thousands. She's been featured with Gary Vee. She speaks on stage. She's published books. She's doing all this crazy stuff. And yet when I met her back in 2015, she was literally not doing any of those things yet. Well, not in so many ways. And so the rise to growth and success that I have seen in Amy in five years just blows my mind. And in this episode, she reveals exactly how she's done it and also how you can have a good life while you're doing it all. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump straight in because Amy and I have some fantastic laughs in this. She shares some advice with me. But more importantly, we just get really real about what it takes to get paid to be you and live a life that you want. So let's dive in. Amy Landino is in the untapped house, the virtual house. So good to have you here. Thank you for having me. What's up, girl? Oh my God, I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. It's so great to have be on the show and I just want to talk to you. <laughs> I am so excited to hear all about your journey because when did we, was it 2014 or 15 when we met in person? Oh, I think it was 15, but yeah, yeah, yeah it was, <gasps> it's been a while. It's like almost five years now that we're in the new decade. That is just too yeah. long. So, okay, we need to make this happen. So at the time <laughs> that I met you as well, I just loved it because you were so refreshing to me. You like said, hey, Nat, this is what I'm struggling with. I've got this fantastic, you know, is it Savvy Sexy Social channel on YouTube? This is going well. I'm doing some consulting here. I've got some clients here, but you know, how, I, how do I make this consistent? How do I do more of like the freedom plan thing, which we were talking about? And straight forward to now, and you've like surpassed every single goal I'm sure that you've set. You're a YouTube sensation. You're a twice published author. You are an Instagram fiend. You have an incredible agent. I mean, there's just so many things going on in your life. Might've just alluded to many of them, but I really wanted to dig in today how that journey has gone and how you have gone into the space of getting paid to be you on so many levels and absolutely owning what you do. Because that is no mean feat. So first off, little congrats to you. Thank you. Thank and just so just so like everyone is aware, I was watching your YouTube channel. It was the suitcase entrepreneur, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I feel like we would connect. And there's something about like the universe, like good work finds good work. And so I just knew we would run into each other at some point, but I was watching you on YouTube very early on. So it's been an online journey and an offline journey for both of us. So true. So true. So take me back to that 2015. If you want to share with 
the beautiful folks listening. Where were you at at that point? Yeah, so 2015 was probably about five years into me being self-employed. Long story short, prior to that, I was working for a law firm. I thought that I wanted to be in politics, and I even went to school for a little while for political science. And I fell in love with the internet while I was there, essentially. I learned how to make a video. I learned how to share a video. And by just tinkering around on YouTube and realizing there was a culture there, I was also randomly teaching myself social media marketing. So that's really what I was doing for the first five years. I was building a personal brand, but my day job, if we call it that, was I was working for myself as a social media marketing consultant. So I was taking on clients and doing that. I could do it from anywhere in the world. I could work from home, an introvert's dream. It was the best. And I could talk to people all the time, introvert's dream, on the internet through video by sitting in a bedroom by myself and making content. (laughs) So, I mean, that's really what I was doing. And I think I was just playing around. And I think you have Mm. to, at the beginning, when you first jump into this, you're willing to have any back you get. And that's good and bad. I think you are much more open to trying things because you're like ready to do whatever anybody wants you to do. But custom work is exhausting. So I learned a lot about what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, but I got so much experience. I don't regret a single bit of it, but that was the first five years. I was still trying to figure out, am I going to write a book in 2015? I was starting to speak a lot more that year, specifically that year. I decided I wanted to take speaking very seriously. And so I said, anyone who asks me on stage, I'm going to go. I don't care if they're not paying me. I don't care if they're not paying travel. I'm going to get this experience. But what I learned from that was that I did need to write a book because speakers have books that they sell. And so that sort of, that was what was going on in my head at the time. Yeah. Love it. I imagine the people who had you as their social media, like manager at the point must be looking back now going, wow. I had a gem at that point and now look at her. I don't know. It's just like, it must be funny sometimes when I think about people's stories of where they were. <laughs> it, it's funny. It is funny like that. Like I'm not, I get that a lot from mm-hmm. clients, but I just found out the other day that one of my first clients ever was featured on an episode of house of cards on Netflix. And I'm like, okay, so like I had some really cool clients. Like this is so fun. I think that's the cool part is you do experimenting. You meet a lot of people. You make a video with Natalie on the beach. The next day you're working with a great client. The next day you're working with a crappy client and you learn what you don't like. And I just, it was all a part of the journey. I liked it a lot. It taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So when, at which point did you go, okay, this isn't the path that I want to be on. Specifically, I don't want to necessarily be working with clients anymore. And at which point did the YouTube channel really start taking off for you because wow I mean I always thought you were super consistent with it three times a week right three times a week for so three years yeah many years three years and then I think it's been in the last 18 months or something I remember when you passed like the hundred thousand subscribers and then from there it just went poof there's like this that tipping point maybe that they talk about but the five was you know whatever years behind that of all the hard work that got you there so I just love for you to talk about that because it was super exciting to witness but I also think that everybody knew how hard you'd worked for it which is really cool yes I think people there are people who know how hard I worked and I think it's like people like you that have just been like super friendly to me for a really long time and then there's people that genuinely had no idea I existed until I guess what we're going to call the tipping point, which I really like. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what happened. It was a slow growth. I think part of it was the original purpose of the channel was to teach social media to businesses. And so when you think about that, that's, there's a lot of business people in the world. I think we've seen a huge increase in entrepreneurship, certainly in the last five to 10 years or longer even, but 
but really like recently. So there's a lot of people, but there's way more people that are not interested in business. So what we were doing on YouTube at the beginning was very niche. It was very niche. So there was really only so far you could grow with that. If you look at some of the biggest channels on YouTube that are business oriented, you're not even close to comparing to the channels who are business or who are not business oriented, just on the biggest scale ever on YouTube. You know, you're not going to get at least not in the current situation with the current algorithm, you're not going to get to the 50 million, 50 billion or whatever that I don't even know anymore what the numbers are. It's like, you're not going to get to that many subscribers teaching that. So it was a very niche situation. And so it was a slow growth, but it was converting clients. So when you think about what the goal of it is, I don't care how many subscribers I have. I have steady work. I have stuff to do. I can still live the life that I want and do this work. So it wasn't until... As I was writing the book, I was it was very important to do client work. It was very important to sell courses and learn what I needed to get better at to teach what I was teaching. And then Vlog Like a Boss, the book about video content came out in 2017. When the we book just came sing that out, jingle, by the way. Vlog uh, like a boss, vlog like a boss, vlog <laughs> like a boss, vlog like so just, it sticks in my know, mind all like, the time. I was like, do I have to do another music video for my next book? I really don't want to. And I didn't. So I was like, I'm so over it. But no, that was really fun. It went over really well too. But that year, it came out at the beginning of 2017. And I was like, you know, I think this is like literally closing the chapter on me as a video content specialist. Because when I really was looking at my YouTube comments, my DMs, my emails, People were watching me just to watch me. They had no intention of making videos. And if they thought about it, they were like, hmm, I just don't have time or I don't know how to find the resources or I don't know the right people. And there were really bigger problems behind the fact that they weren't doing it. And I even had people paying me as a coach to help them with their video. And every time we would meet, it was like, oh, I didn't do my homework. I'm the bad student. And it's just like, you're paying me to help you. It's you're wasting your own money. So I realized that I just wasn't going to be able to serve the purpose I thought that I potentially had. I don't even mm. think I really knew what it was at the time, but I just didn't <laughs> think I was going to do that job as a video coach anymore. It was just sort of like, I can sit here and really encourage people to do their best. And they're such a believer in me that they're paying for my thoughts and my advice and the motivation, but they're just not doing it. And I want to get to the heart of that. Mm. That's so a fascinating uh, yeah. thing, hey? I do, I do find, sorry, but more and more authors write these books about the experiences that they've had for years, right? They've got this expert or niche knowledge in this area. They write the book and it almost is a bit like closing final chapter because they're done with that and now they're on to the next bit that they really want to master. I do find that, I don't know if you find that, but I, even with my own suitcase entrepreneur, like it was out for several years and then I got to this point and I was like, that is still my baby, but I have moved on and I've got this other thing that I want to talk about now. And I feel like by the time the book comes out, often, especially if you're with a traditional publisher, often you've moved past it already. You're like, yeah, yeah, vlogging is cool, but I'm over here now. Do you find right. that? I definitely have. I don't know if I'm like 100% switching gears yet now that Good Morning, Good Life came out, but I, I oh, no, sense you shouldn't. It. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm not there yet, but it's like you get so deep in the content when you write a book specifically. Mm -hmm. And you're like, look, like if you fully tested the book by making all this content first, and then you write the manual, you kind of go like, well, is there anything else to know? We can move on to next thing. And so yeah, I do feel that. I do feel that a lot. I think it's actually a nice progression mm -hmm. because it's like still this analog thing that is 
kind of going out of style, but still very, 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 very important in improving people's lives and mindsets, which is absolutely not dying off. Books is like this ultimate indicator of something when you are an expert or a specialist. So I like I like that about it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think they're amazing tools. And when you do write a book, as you know, because how long did it take you to write that? I know you took yourself off overseas. You went traveling yeah. and you just hunkered down. Yeah. So we did a family vacation, and then the plan was I was taking the summer off. And so it was like family vacation and then come back and spend the rest of the summer writing. When I first wrote the the first book, I tried very hard to do some sort of like write in the morning, work throughout the rest of the day. And I just don't do well like that. I work well <laughs> in like a campaign standpoint. It's like get all of it done in this space of time and then move on to the next thing. So for specifically writing a book, it's hard to balance anything else. And so I took three weeks off. I think it ended up being three and a half weeks. And the only reason why, that's a very short amount of time when you're talking it's about writing hugely a hugely short. But, <laughs> but like, it, the only way I can do but, that is if the thoughts are already in my head. <laughs> exactly. Like, I can get them out. I mean, every single topic on every video that you've done for the last several years has been on this. So yeah, and that makes total sense that you just then vomited yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's like, get it out of my yeah. head and give it to somebody who's smarter than me about writing and you've got, I've got my content manager, I've got my editor, and I've got a couple of other eyeballs that now have to look at this to make sure that my words make sense. And, and it didn't take three weeks to finish. It took three weeks to write. And then we just, we worked on it for four months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's definitely a process. But before all of that, the question that you had asked me earlier. Yes, thank you. Let's channel, get back the, to that. Yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah. Sorry. I know. I'm like, oh, there's so many things. The channel got to 80,000 subscribers. That was at the end of 2017. So at the end of the year of Blog Like a Boston, like the book had been out, I'd been promoting it for a year. And in 2018, it was like lots of things changed. I changed my last name because I had been married in 2017. That was a big deal. The whole world thought I was crazy for changing my last name. I'm like, well, welcome to being a woman who got married and wants to change her last name. And nobody can say my maiden name. What is the problem? So I changed my last name. (laughs) I changed the name of the channel because Savvy Sexy Social just wasn't, I didn't need it anymore, essentially. It motivated me when I first started it. You know, it's a never ending battle of do you pick your name or do you pick some name? And it did what it did for me. And then I was like, no, I'm good. And so I renamed it Amy TV, really easy. got a new YouTube URL. I moved apartments, like the whole thing changed. I ripped a big bandaid off at the beginning of 2018. Mm -hmm. And that's when everything changed. I started talking about completely different stuff. And I just said, look, I think we have greater territory to cover. And something simple, like how do you wake up in the morning and start your day with intention? Or how do you time batch? And how do you use calendar blocking to your advantage? These were the videos that took the channel from 80,000 to 100,000 subscribers in the space of a month and then to 200,000 subscribers 100 days later. So it was really quick and again, a tipping point. And also YouTube has switches back there, okay? They like to use them when they feel like using them. And that's a good thing for everybody because that means one video could completely change a channel. And that's true. One video can change a channel, but if a channel can't sustain that success and that growth, those subscribers don't mean anything. You're, you're not going to keep getting views. I can still have a video perform really badly if I'm not aligning with what they want. And YouTube algorithm is really making a lot of those decisions for us, which is kind of frustrating, but also they're very good at understanding what people want to see. So mm-hmm. they're going to overpromote the stuff they think is a safe bet. And they're going to underpromote the stuff that they're like, uh, we don't see the vision. So Gotcha. That's really, really useful. You've already given me some ideas about my channel. We'll talk to you about those later. I do just want to, while we're on YouTube, for those listening who are aspiring to 
become YouTube stars or just really want to put themselves out in video and be able to educate and teach and inspire because at the end of the day, I feel like that's what we're there for, right? I don't quite get the channels where I just see people talking about nothing and they're filming themselves doing nothing. It's, it's incredible to me, but hey, different generations. So coming back to people who are strategic and purposeful about how they want to show up in the world, I know you've talked a lot about this in your vlog, Like a Boss book, and I do just want to come back to that because there's all sorts of things that come into really committing to being on YouTube. First off, the schedule. And I know for you, it is really important, and I think it is important anyway, right, to turn up every single week, same time, same place, same bat channel. That's still mm -hmm. very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like YouTube is a little bit more forgiving because like I said, it's it, not like it used to be where it would promote everything you did to your subscribers. Now it really is picking and choosing. So I think if you, I'm not advising this on, on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but if you were to take a break, like for instance, we're uploading our first video of the year at the time of this recording of this podcast. So we took, well, we did 25 videos in December too. So it was kind of overload. We took, you know, two weeks off to really reset for 2020, what are our plans? And so I haven't seen it yet, but I anticipate that everything's gonna be fine when we come back. It's more about the quality of the content. Now, that being said, that's on the algorithm side. If you don't have an audience that trusts you, know, likes, and trusts you, like they are not going to keep coming back, which ultimately uplifts a channel over the long term. So those people who are counting on you when you say you're gonna show up are really going to be the ones that indicate to, an Instagram or a YouTube or whatever you plan to use that whatever content you put out is worth showing off a little bit more of. But ultimately, yes, you need consistency because just like you would watch any show on TV and you know, either it comes out all at the same time or it comes out every week, the same day and the same time, mm -hmm. you can count on that. If you can count on that, you're going to be much more loyal to the content and the same goes for digital. I don't think same day and same time is also not so much true anymore. Cause again, the algorithm likes the video. They're going to push it out to as many people as they can. It's all about watch time and ad dollars for YouTube, mm -hmm. but you do want to have some sort of communication with the audience of what they can expect from you. Whether it's, I publish every Wednesday at 4 PM. We publish every Sundays and Wednesdays at 4 PM here for Amy TV, or you say, I publish two videos a week. If you say those words, no matter what they are, you should really mean them because people will start to rely on them. And as you grow, it'll become a much bigger deal that you stick with what you say. And from a personal point of view, doesn't it just make it easier to know that's your schedule? Like that you batch those two videos a week. 100%. I'm sure you've done it. Yeah. Because I was thinking for me personally, when I know I have a commitment and consistent schedule, it's almost as much for me as for the people who are watching or listening and it keeps you honest and then you get smart because you start batching things, which I know you love doing. But I think really for you personally, it's like honor that commitment to yourself and to your folks. Yeah. Because I like to look at everything. I mean, like, like I'm a good rule follower. Uh, and so it's all about reverse engineering. Like, what do I have to do? It's like, I have a morning routine. Therefore I have to go to bed at a certain time. I have videos on Sundays and Wednesdays, so I have to get them done. Now it's becoming even more of a, I need to stay true to the audience. And we have factors like sponsors coming into play and they want this and they want it on this date. And it's like, no, you don't get to decide that. It's my community. We will work with it the way we work with it. You can pick a Sunday or you can pick a Wednesday. And that's <laughs> it. Like, that's all you get to decide. And we have to then say how much approval time is needed. Everything has to get planned on the calendar. So the less variable the actual videos, the better from a planning standpoint. And I just, everything's on the calendar for me. It's my Bible. 
which I love. Uh, another question that I'm sure people might have for you is how do you keep coming up with consistently fab content? And, you know, even as a content creator myself, I know what I want to be talking about, but sometimes I'm like, nah, I'm a little lost for ideas, even when I know there's tons that I could talk about. So how do you keep that like consistent creative juice flowing and also keep it really on purpose with what people want? Well, it's literally the answers in the question. Everything we do, I don't, I'm not going to publish a book just for the sake of putting my name on something. It's exhausting. And I'm also not going to publish a video unless it's something people want. There's a little bit of a balance now that people want to know more about me so I can share a little bit more personally, but I have a very hard time putting a video out that doesn't have some takeaway. Like that's a promise that we've made from our business. We promise there's going to be an actionable takeaway with everything that we do. So yeah, I think it's all about communicating with the audience. We look at comments, DMs, everything, emails, Patreon, everything that people say they want, we look at that. And even if it feels like we're talking about the same thing all the time, guess what? We are because we're experts at what we do. So if I'm constantly saying the same thing, it's because they continue to need that motivation. They continue to need the reminder. They continue to look at, oh, 2020 is different than 2019 for me. I'm going to be different. They need somebody to be with them in support of that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's still good because people still want it. And that's all that matters to me. If I make good on what they want, they're always watching and I'm continuing to serve that purpose. And you just hit on two things there that you do so well. One, you do take one topic and continually hammer it in the best possible way with, you know, more science backing, with more intention. You're basically repeating stuff because repetition is the way that we learn. And the second thing that you do so well is you know your audience inside and out. And I love how you've interacted with them, especially over the last few years, where you've like told them off where it's getting a little bit negative in the comments or where there's been a bit of injustice or where people aren't being empathetic or compassionate. And you've been vulnerable with them and you absolutely know where they're at and what they're struggling with. And so you can speak to that all the time. And I think too few entrepreneurs, and I'll put my hand up for in the past, not doing this, although I think I do it pretty damn well now, is just asking people what they want, where they're at, what the challenges are, so you consistently deliver to them. And I just don't know why more people don't ask. I mean, you ask a lot. You're on the channel. Hey, would you like this if I'm going to talk about this in the future? Hey, how do you feel about this? And even when you started doing more of your sponsored videos and you got a little bit of kickback initially because there were, I remember it actually because there were quite a few in a row and I was like, oh, Amy's going for it out there. And then you had a really good stop, take a chill. Hey, you guys have responded to me. I hear you. And here's where I, one, I'm a businesswoman. Two, how I'm going to do this in the future. So that three, you know, I am going to keep showing up with this, but here's how I'm going to do it in a way that serves you best. And that's just being Absolutely. completely vulnerable and honest with your audience, right? And then they're like, oh, cool. Well, Amy's it, heard it, us. Let's go. <laughs> absolutely. And here's, it's twofold. Yeah. They're human beings. I'm not looking at them like they're avatars on YouTube. They look at me like I'm their best friend that they've been hanging out with twice a week Aww. forever and ever. <laughs> so if, so if that's real, if we're really besties, then I'm going to sit here and say like, I don't understand. You're coming to my channel to learn how to be successful and make money. And you don't like that. I'm doing that. Now, if you don't like how I'm doing it, we can discuss that. That is a hundred. And that's where the conversation went. These are the same people that I cried to in November of, or December, probably of 2018 when my brother died. Like I share all of that with them because everything I'm teaching is only my experience. So I can only offer that to them. And I hear them, I listen to them. And that's the only way the business runs is if, if I'm doing what they like, but at the same time, it's my experience. So there's a balance between like, if you don't like who I am, you need to move along. 
if you like what I'm about, then you can get something from this. And you, if you're not winning everyone over, you're doing a great job. You 100%. need to draw the line somewhere. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, striking forward to you know the business side of this now, how important is YouTube to the mix of revenue streams that you have? Because obviously, as you mentioned, you have Patreon now, the Shine Squad, so people can pay to be part of that. They get content delivered first. They get a daily podcast, I believe it is. Yeah, I've been listening and watching. Mm-hmm. You have your sponsorship ads now. You obviously have YouTube revenue from AdSense. So, in terms of anything else that you that I've missed probably uh, book sales. We still yeah. have some product sales from blog, like a boss points to a course. So there's still some stuff there, but I, affiliate revenue is also really mm-hmm. big for us, but yeah, that is the majority of our revenue streams right there. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So yes, and- the, on the YouTube side, it's big and the podcast is growing a little bit, but the YouTube side is sort of where everything starts. And it's like, hmm, look at all the other things we do. What else would you like to try? Like, what else would you want to do? So we definitely try to upsell as much as we can with all of the media because we are a media company. Yeah. And so anytime we're working with a brand we love, 100%, I want to talk about it everywhere because I already love them. So it's like, it's not just the YouTube. It's like, how can we follow this up on Instagram and really bring a full message to everybody about it? Yeah, perfect. And would you say in terms of percentage of your revenue streams within your media company as YouTube, one of the biggest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's tops. It's definitely, it's number one, but I think it's, yeah, it's number one. Yeah. I was just looking at, I was just thinking of all my numbers of 2019. I just went over all my, (laughs) or sorry, 19. I did all my accounting recently. So I'm like, yeah, Mm. that's number one. So good. And then your media agency, do you just want to tell people a little bit more about what that does? Because yeah, I just love how that's evolved. That wasn't around I think when we met and it's really really grown well I mean I guess it was yeah, so in some it's all, sense it's of all very yeah it's all very confusing so <laughs> and essentially when I talk about like owning a media company to me that's what Amy TV is Amy TV is a product of Gatlu House and so that's what we do there Amy TV Amy speaking that's the other one speaking revenue uh-huh. Amy speaking Amy's books Amy's affiliate like that kind of lives in that world my husband and I we met in 2015 so there is no way that we, uh, you would have known about this at this time because it didn't kind of show up until later. We started a company called Aftermarket's predominantly video production. I'm actually in their offices right now talking to you. So that's, that's that side of things. But we've also kind of grown in terms of what we want to do with that side of the business because it's just sort of like video coaching. You know, you can want to make a video for somebody who needs it, which is what we do really well, but we also want them to want to help them make it fly. So a lot of this like digital PR and social media help on um, that consulting is also within the Landino group, which is essentially the, the big company above all the things. So we've yeah. just kind of found ways to pocket everything, but my team directly works for Getlu and that's where Amy TV is hosted and detail therapy is hosted and all the other stuff that I typically do with my face. <laughs> that's quite a lot going on there, but I also love how you've almost like, just engage yourself with your name there just for a minute. You know, like there's the Amy books, Amy TV, blah, 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 even though it's fully you. I mean, does it ever yeah. kind of dawn on you that, wow, like you are the whole thing behind this and have you got, which is amazing and incredible and people turn up for you, but I'm sure you have some contingency plans. Should you want to take a break? Should you want to maybe have a family? Should you want to dial it back? And yeah, cause I know you're a planner as well. So how far ahead have you thought that out? And that's sort of like, to your point, why I talk like that, because it's like, first, it's easier for people to identify, like, what business am I dealing with? Well, if it has to do with my face, it's Blue House. That's like, that's my personal brand. That's sort of like where that lives. 
my contingency plan is that my husband and I are growing this other company that doesn't require my face. And, and even on the personal brand side, being able to build a team and help us get things done where I would be able to spend less time if I needed to, that's something I'm working on very, very intensely at the moment. But it's great because we are good. If first, if God forbid, everything I'm doing right now flew away like a bird, like Google just like exploded, gone. It's forever a thing. We would still be somewhat okay with this other business that we've got going on because we've been growing that too. And that's really the scalable thing is figuring out how you grow a team that gets actual product delivered to a client that doesn't require personality. Even though I absolutely love what I'm doing on the personality side, I'm not like the most fun person 24 hours a day. So it's like, you got to have a <laughs> balance a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think I you are, like but something. I also think you're incredibly disciplined, incredibly focused, super productive. And more importantly, as Chris said at the beginning of your new book, Good Morning, Good Life, that you live and breathe exactly what you do. And that's just so important. And I know whenever I've been out of alignment with what I'm doing, it's because I'm not following my own kind of like rules. Even when I reread the freedom plan and I did it as an audio book, I was like, this is really good shit. And oh my God, I've done all this work. Why have I forgotten about some of it myself? You know, like you do move away from your own system sometimes. And then I was like, wait a minute, you've written a book on this. Like, Stop doing I it again. So. I could not agree more. <laughs> sometimes I'll flip back and go, what did I think about that in vlog like a boss? Let me, let me take a look real quick. <laughs> That's some of the best. That's some of the best because I don't love watching videos of myself from before, but I will totally read my book and be like, how did we do this again? (laughs) So I do have a question for you. I'm getting Amy Landino's advice on the podcast live. Um, So I have my YouTube channel, as you know, and you started with it ages ago where I used to be the suitcase entrepreneur with flies on my nose in certain shots and all sorts of things happening on location. It was Um, so real. It was so real. So I've got around 11,000 subscribers and I literally have not been consistent or disciplined on there for the last two years for good reason because when I sort of put the suitcase entrepreneur to one side and moved into my own brand, I was taking time to establish what that is. And it's interesting because this year I really want to turn up and talk much more about how do you get paid to be you and the future of work and how do you tap into all those opportunities that are coming just in the landscape that's changing. But what I heard loud and clear from you is that when you moved away from savvy, sexy, social into more of this good morning, good life, you know, you're able to capture a lot more people and it is, you can talk about a lot broader remit of topics, but at the same time, it may not necessarily drive specifically clients to the business that you're needing at this point something to that effect. I know what you were saying. I didn't paraphrase it Mm -hmm, super well. mm -hmm. And I often wonder about that because we have this beautiful life pilot methodology that my partner, Josh and I created, and it's how do you turn your dreams into reality one day at a time? And it's a system and a methodology and a tool that we use every single day, every single week. It's beautiful. And I really have loved how that's impacted and changed our lives. And I want to be talking about those topics more. And obviously it's up to me as a content creator, but my question here is, How specific or focused do you think somebody like me should be on the business side versus more of the how do you live a purposeful life side? I think it's, I'm so glad you're asking this question. It's funny because I think I had this conversation with Pat Flynn too, because he was venturing out a lot in terms of like his different content. And ultimately he just came to the conclusion that it was all like amazing, but there's an opportunity in being like a podcast resource channel and like the best podcast resource channel. And so there's something to that too. I look at it as I do want to reach more people because I think it's a restructuring of the funnel. 
all you're doing is making the funnel bigger, right? You're making the funnel, top of the funnel is huge. You, instead of 100,000 subscribers, it's 300,000 subscribers. You have all of that, they come in. And then once they get in, when they start to hear about things like, oh, you should sign up for email updates here, you should do this over there. And then the email is what's promoting a course, a product, et cetera. And you convert the right people ultimately, but you should still really open up to more people. And those people, it's what are exactly, are you the expert on for them while still being able to reach a broader audience? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Gotcha. And I think from that point of view, you can have videos that are educational and then you can have more of the blog style, which is a bit more personal. So every so often they get sort of like led into your life, what you're doing, how things are going, and you can still stay on point with the expert area that you're really, really good at. Yeah. I mean, like you need to be in your playground and you need to be the best in your playground and the rest will work itself out. When people are so committed to you and how well you do your job and you deliver for them. And when you put a title up on YouTube and you deliver on that as generously and as focused as possible and that they're going to keep coming back. And that loyalty is the thing that you can continue to grow for your business, whether it's, okay, I also want to take clients. I realize that's only going to be a small subset of all of these subscribers, but the right people are more likely to find me now because I have so much more word of mouth. You just have to know how to communicate to them what's going on and you need to do it in the, the appropriate channels. I'm less likely to promote my Patreon on a super regular basis as I am to my email list or somebody who joined the challenge of like having better morning routines. Because I realize they're already so deep in that headspace that that is the right time to sell them that item or that situation or that membership or whatever it is. So yeah, I, I just think it's like, when do you have the conversation? I don't ever think it's too soon to sell, but I think out of context doesn't work. Totally. Thank you so much. And obviously, oh my gosh, we haven't even touched on Good Morning, Good Life and you are such a morning routine lady, but I also love that in your book, you talk about how you can apply these kind of five principles to set up your own morning routine, right? Because some people aren't even morning people. And if you've read the book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, some people actually in their DNA don't get going until like the afternoon and they're incredible in the evening and you can't kind of change that. Like it's not their fault and it feels really mean. So do you just want to, I want people to go buy the book regardless because it's wonderful and beautiful and it's so funny. And the first story about your half marathon is great realize you've done that actually the person who's just recently done a half iron man i was like go amy i know how you feel um i did have a cheer squad though i had a cheer squad which did make a huge difference i dropped the ball on that (laughs) (laughs) you were trying hard you were just too fast out there so i guess rather than go into all of that we'll send folks there but what is the favorite part of your morning routine right now Oh, for, I have to start with, there's actually pages in the book that says, if you're not a morning person, read this first. Okay. Just so everyone knows, my methodology on this is I don't care what time you wake up. I want to know you got enough sleep and you're going to be healthy. And I want you to be able to start your day on your terms. So if you're an afternoon riser or whatever the situation, I don't know what, what it could be, but if it's just getting an extra 10 or 15 minutes what before you're, you usually wake up to make the most of your day, then that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. I'm saying lean into who you are and optimize the fact that if you start on someone else's terms, you're not going to be better off. And if you do on yours, you're going to feel like you own the day. So the my favorite part is honestly just like the very first thing that I do. I walk into the bathroom and I wash my face. And I just can't walk into the world unless I have moisturized and put sunscreen on. I don't care how dark it is outside. 
and then I make my glass of lemon water. Those are the two things that I can do in the last half hour of my buffer period, which is what I call the time that I'm not awake yet, but I'm supposed to be awake. So I'm sort of bumbling my way around the apartment. I'm not ready for real tasks yet. I can put moisturizer on and I can make lemon water and then start the coffee pot. And that's, that's it. That's the beginning. But I also really love the moments of mindfulness that happen after that. I'm absolutely devoted to my morning pages, which is a practice from Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way. Very popular practice. Just three pages of stream of consciousness writing. And then I rewrite my goals. I read a page of The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And then I eat the frog. I do the biggest, hairiest, crappiest (laughs) task of the day before anybody else is even awake. So that's it. It's amazing. And just to see the success you've had specifically also in the last three years, I think is really a testament to why people need to get this book and learn from you. Show up to Amy TV because I just love it. You're like my dose of inspiration and I come across you just at the right time and I need you and I go binge watching and then I step away like any good person does. And then I come back in and I feel like I know what's going on in your world all the time, which was really awesome. So thank you because showing up and being so public and inspiring for so many years. And as you said, hundred percent committing to your folks and your community is why people love you so much and why we love you. So I wish you an amazing 2020 and I hope to have you back on the show, like with your next incredible book or next move, but just can learn so much from this lady. So thank you so much for making the time. Natalie, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. How awesome was that? I just love, love, love this interview with Amy. I love how real she is. I love that she is a raving introvert yet somehow manages to put herself out there so perfectly and eloquently and with so much energy. I felt really inspired after this interview. It was just so good. I could have jammed it for ages with her and I'm just super grateful to her generosity and her time, her knowledge and just sharing the journey that she's been on. So if you want further things about Amy, please come across to my show notes. You'll be able to find them at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and just search for Amy Landino or episode 52. And in the meantime, please let me know what you thought of this episode. Shout out to me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson or on Twitter at Natalie Sisson. And more importantly, if you're loving this, please leave a short review. I would so love that. Makes the world a difference for pushing this podcast up the rankings in 2020. And I want to get into those top rankings so that more people find the great content on here and learn how to tap into their potential and get paid to be them. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next week.